This is a Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu slash library. Thank you for coming to the library. Um, today's event is Controlling Carbon Emissions with Trading Markets. This is part of our series of events for our uh, One Book, One College on um, Elizabeth Royce Garbage Land. So we have a few other events throughout the rest of the semester. Um, but today we're talking about carbon trading markets, and it is my pleasure to welcome uh, Dr. Gregory Sierra. Dr. Sierra is a professor of accounting at Southern Illinois University Edwardsville. Um, he holds a Ph.D. in accounting from Washington University in St. Louis, and he's a former economist and bank regulator for the Federal Reserve Board. But not only that, he is an accomplished cyclist who I once saw pick up an open beverage container from the ground going about 20 miles an hour without clipping out of his pedals. It was one of the most amazing things in my life um, as we're biking across Iowa. Yeah. Um, anyway, obviously, he's a good friend of mine, and I'm very happy to have him come up and talk to all of you. So without that, uh, Greg Sierra, thanks. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Troy, for that uh, introduction. Thanks for the invitation here to Moraine Valley. Um, so, carbon markets. Let me explain uh, where I'm coming from. I'm an accountant, so what am I doing talking about carbon markets? Uh, my training we uh, in my uh, practice as a re regulator in Washington, D.C., in regulating markets, I know something about markets. I know a little less about carbon, so this uh, presentation or this talk is going to focus on the market part of carbon markets. And especially in this time when I think markets are under attack, it's good for us to kind of get an idea of what, what markets can do and maybe what they can't do. Um, so as Troy said, I have my PhD in accounting. I'm currently at uh, the other Southern Illinois University. Southern Illinois University Edwardsville is separate from Carbondale, so I'd just like to point that out. We're down in the St. Louis metro area, and um, for those of you who uh, are interested in pursuing a four-year business degree after community college, uh, you, you might want to uh, come down and check us out. We're resident campus. Um, okay, so what exactly, what exactly are we going to focus on? All right, does carbon dioxide cause global warming? Does anybody know the answer to that question with certainty? All right, so I hear some yeses, not hearing any noes, and, and what I'm going to say is nothing about that because I'm, I'm not a scientist who says what causes global warming. Um, and as a Ph.D. person, I'm going to focus on my expertise so I can't stand in front of you and say definitively, uh, scientifically, whether or not carbon dioxide causes global warming. So that's, I'm not going to be talking about the cause of global warming today. Okay? Um, and I'm not even going to be talking about global warming. I, have, I, you know, I believe there is global warming, but I don't, as a scientist, as a Ph.D. person, uh, that isn't my area of expertise. So I'm not going to be talking about that. What I am going to talk about is, say that you believe there is global warming and you believe that carbon dioxide causes global warming, what can a market do to reduce carbon dioxide? 
that's what I'm going to talk about, and that's what we're going to talk about is if you want to reduce carbon dioxide, can markets help you do that? And I can say definitively markets can help you reduce carbon dioxide emissions and other carbon emissions that may contribute to global warming or other pollution that's unwanted. So when we think about carbon dioxide, um, is carbon dioxide, is it bad? I mean, can we make a pejorative statement? Can we say carbon dioxide is bad? Where does it come from? Us. We breathe it out. So, you know, carbon dioxide isn't necessarily bad. It's the amount of carbon dioxide. And you can think about any type of waste product. Um, if it's a small amount, we really wouldn't be too worried about it. So what we're worried about or what people worry about is that this keeps increasing. It seems to be associated whoa. Seems to be associated with uh, increasing temperature. So it's not the carbon dioxide, it's the amount. It's the amount of carbon dioxide. So once it reaches a certain level, we can think of it as garbage. You know, imagine if all your neighbors took their garbage and threw it in their front yard. Would that bother you? Would it bother you? So carbon dioxide is like that. You know, there's, uh, there are waste products that get put into rivers and put into the air, and we all breathe the same air. And we, if you're living with somebody who throws the trash in the front yard, it affects your quality of life. So what markets do is charge people for putting more junk in the air that everybody breathes. Okay? It, it charges them for changing the consistency of the air. That's what they do. And like anything else, less garbage is good and more garbage is bad. So if it's a waste product that's harmful, you want less of it. Okay? And there are lots of different ways to get there. There are lots of different ways to get there. So the alternatives, what alternatives do we have? Taxing. Um, tax, tax isn't a three-letter word. It's a four-letter word to a lot of people. Uh, so a lot of people find the word tax to be problematic. But uh, last, when was $4 gas around? Who remembers? Was it last summer we were paying? Can you believe it? Last summer it was $4? And you may have heard people talk about $4 gas as a tax. It was... It wasn't really a tax, but it behaved as a tax because you had to give up more money for the same amount of consumption. Who reduced the amount of driving they did because of $4 gas? Okay, so some people admit it. Who's not admitting it? So, a lot of people reduced gas. It was observable in uh, macroeconomic data, reduced their gas consumption, gasoline consumption. So if we had a $3 gas tax... If the only thing you wanted to do was reduce CO2 emissions, tailpipe emissions, you could probably achieve that by a gas tax. Okay? Uh, what are some of the problems with the tax? So if, if we decide as a society CO2 is bad, this level's bad, we have to control it, we're going to start taxing gasoline, what's the problem with just imposing a gas tax on everybody? Any thoughts? 
What might be some of the negative consequences of a gas tax? Shipping costs go up. Shipping costs go up, then what the cost of lots of stuff goes up. What else? Absolutely, yeah. Okay, so um, it's a tax that might be disproportionately shared by certain people because if you have your house and you have your job, you can't change your driving habits without a huge cost of moving or something like that or having a drastic change. So it might in disproportionately allocate the cost to certain groups and less to others. Okay, and would change behavior, so it's kind of a, it's a blunt object, it's a blunt instrument. It, it gets the job done, but it doesn't really do so in an efficient manner because some people are bearing more costs than others as a result of just imposing an across-the-board tax. And that's, that's the problem with it. We could regulate. How could you regulate the problem away? How could you reduce CO2 emissions by regulating? Yeah. Okay, so um, the references to World War II where we allocated certain amounts to people. So just tell people you get 10 gallons of gasoline a week, and that's it. So you get a, a little gas stamp, and that's all the gas you get. All right, what's one of the problems with that method? What's that? So there may be political problems. People will be upset. Uh, so because they won't accept it, there, you know, there may be protests and other disruptions. Um, so it's a little bit like the tax in that it may be disproportionately puts the cost or the burden on one group. Um, what about what's a little bit better about having the stamp regulation? There's different types of regulation, but this is kind of an interesting thing you brought up. So, central planning decides we're going to have a gas stamp. You everybody gets 10 gallons of gas a week. What's good about that? What what's what's better about that? Yeah. Well, you have a fixed quantity. Yeah, so um, well, you'll get your you get your allocation, so you're not too concerned about your particular price. But what does that impact? What does that mean for your gas stamp? There you go. One thing that that helps with this idea of regulating but having a stamp is that you could trade it. So this would be a regulation with a kind of a market. So the idea that that you have, and what's your name? Greg. Greg? Yes. Beautiful name. Uh, so the idea that Greg has is, well, you have a, we decide we want to cut down, so everybody's going to get the same amount of gasoline, and we're going to have a stamp. That's a cap, and that's what they do in carbon markets. They decide, they, policymakers, um, decide how much carbon is going to be permitted to be emitted from various producers. So that's a cap. But the nice thing about the stamp is if you don't use your gas, you say, look, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to start carpooling, and then you can sell your stamp. So it doesn't force you to use. 
use the gasoline. Okay, and it gives you the ability to defer, defray some of your costs. If it's for you, it's not that much of a burden to carpool or to ride your bike or to walk. Then you can get the benefit of selling, and this is that's more like a regulated market. Any other ideas for regulation? What does what does regulation typically do? What what happens if you're going 80 mile on a 35? You just get pulled over, you get fined. So that's that's the first thing that regulation typically does is impose fines. They monitor behavior and impose fines. What's the problem with that? Besides, it's fun driving 85 miles an hour. What's that? Well, driving 85 miles an hour is dangerous. Yeah, in a, in a 35. But what's the problem? What disruptions could regulation cause if we just set a limit and a fine? So you have 10 different factories, and you tell each factory what their limit is, and if they surpass it, they'll be fined. What's the problem with that? Do you, do you think they'll, they probably won't get fined because they'll make sure they don't pollute that much, but what's the, what's the problem with that? What are you missing? What's that? Profit. profit. So if you're talking about profit for a corporation, if one could have produced more, they could have made more profit because there was a demand for their product. So you're missing out on potential profit. What if one of the corporations didn't even get anywhere near their limit? What's the problem there? Because they didn't want to, they didn't have any more to sell. They, their, their customers were all satisfied. They had enough. Like a, a power company that uh, the weather was favorable and they ended up not producing hardly any electricity or half the amount predicted or something. So they didn't reach their, their limit. What's the problem with that if we just cap everybody across the board? They're losing, they're losing money because they have pollution they could have used to reach their limit, but they don't want to because nobody's going to buy the electricity they're going to produce. So some other company could have used their right to pollute. So that's the problem with just creating a straight-across ban or limit is that that pollution could have been used by another company to serve people, which is what it's all about. So the last one is this market, and the market solves that problem, and that's really what carbon markets do effectively. They don't cap pollution. Regulators have to do that. So you might hear when uh, carbon markets are described, you might hear cap and trade. The cap part is a regulator. Somebody has to be the watchdog, the police person, making sure they don't um, exceed their pollution limits. But if you don't exceed it, the market part of cap and trade or the trade part of cap and trade is if you don't use your entire allocation, you can trade it to somebody else. You can actually get money. So then what you do, the reward part is if you figure out at your company how to reduce waste and you can do that at a lower price than your competitor, you can start selling the right to produce or to produce, to produce pollution. So that's how that's the power of a market combined with regulation is that it will allocate pollution efficiently so that we don't miss opportunities to produce so that people get what they want and we give incentives for people to figure out how not to pollute
so that if they do that, then they can either not have to go out and buy more credits or they can sell the credit to pollute that they have. All right? So that's the idea of carbon markets. And um, what I would like to do is get four volunteers, four very, very brave people. Or not so, there's a brave person, another brave person, of course, Greg. All right. And if you could come up here, and I think we have four chairs. And we're going to play a little game. Yeah, if we could maybe get the chairs, or the, move the table, one or the other. I move the table? Okay. We have, this is kind of fun with this microphone going old school here. Uh, we have Greg, and you can, you guys can get close to each other. Don't be afraid of one another. It's all right. It's all right. So we have Greg, and your name is? Delilah. Cheryl. And Muhammad. Okay, Delilah, Cheryl, Muhammad, and Greg. And what we're going to do is we're going to play a little game. All right. They're going to be uh, corporations that, in order to produce their good or service, so if it's a service, it's like electricity. If it's a good, you know, imagine. Uh, I think it's good to imagine tangible things that helps. So imagine, uh, I don't know, Monsanto or cement companies, which produce a lot of carbon dioxide. So they're just companies that produce pollution. And uh, we're going to try to do different games here. And the way this game is set up, and don't worry, we'll do a little trial run, so... No problem. The way this game is set up is they're each going to get a card. And their card is what they will get paid to pollute. So it's like it's a profit that they would get for creating whatever it is they create. Okay? And then I'm going to be the government, and I'm selling them a carbon credit. I'm going to sell them the right to pollute. And they're going to be at auction bidding for the right to pollute. So let's say, and all these cards are either three, five, seven, or nine, just to keep it keep it simple. So if uh, any of you get a three, you would never bid more than three dollars for the right to pollute because the most I'm going to pay you for polluting is three dollars. Okay? So you'd want to get it for two, one or two if you got three. If you got a nine, you'd want eight or less. Nine would be okay, but you're not making any money. Okay? So that's what we're going to start with. And the first situation, I'm going to give you each a card. And I'm going to have all the credits, and then I'm going to give you some money, too, and then we're going to bid. Does that all make sense? Delilah, Cheryl, Mohammed, Greg? Cheryl, right? Okay. Okay. So this is the money. Uh, this is the money right here. It's always easier to make friends when you have candy, so...
Okay, and each of these is the right to pollute to produce your profit, which could be a three, a five, a seven, or nine. Each of them know their profit, but they don't know each other's, okay? So let's just let's start a little slow here, and I'm going to start auction and go up. So who will pay $1 for this, which you could sell back to me for what's on your card? $1. You're all willing to play one, two, three. Four, five, six. Anybody higher than six? No. Okay. So the first one sells at six, and you have to give me six butterscotch. This is a little tough. I don't know, Troy, if you can help me handing this stuff out. Here's the. I'm the Secretary of Energy of the Department of Energy, and he's the Assistant Secretary handing out tax credits. Yeah, just put them right there on the edge. That's great. There you go. Okay, so at this point, I think we figured out who has the number nine card. That would be Muhammad. Okay, because nobody else would uh, pay six bucks. So how much money do you have left, Muhammad? He has four left, okay? So he can't go back up to six. I just want to point this out. You know, it should be apparent to everybody, but just to you know, warm things up. Because that's how much capital he has to work with. He can't get any more from the bankers. You know, we're in a credit crisis, so that's it. That's all he gets. Okay? Um, so let's go through another round of bidding. One. Greg's going one, two, three. Who bid three? Cheryl? Anybody go four? You go four? Five? All right. Anybody go over five? Okay, so... Cheryl bid five. She pays five. All right. Now you have five left, Cheryl. And you bid five. Will you bid five again? You won't bid five again? So if if your card is uh, over five, then you should be willing to bid five again. Is anyone else willing to bid five? Will you bid five, Cheryl? Okay. So Cheryl has five more, so she can buy another one. All right. So she has two. Mohammed has one. Now we start the bidding over. One, two, three, four. Anybody go four? You go four? Okay. You're not going four? Okay. So Delilah gets the next one. And each of them had 10. So they're constrained by the number they started with and by their card. So if Delilah bid 4, she must have a card that's higher than 4 because that would be how much she could sell the balloon for. All right? It's it's like the profit she would get if she were uh, in an industry that would allow her to, to pollute. All right. So I imagine you're willing to go 4 again so we don't have to go through. So she'll buy another one at 4. But then she'll only have 2, so we'll see what happens. What's that? Well, let's let's go ahead. Let's go. Let's go ahead and bid. Wait, wait. Let's wait a second. One. Who'll bid one? Two. Three. Who'll bid three? He'll bid three. You bid four. Okay. See, we go through it, but uh, the last card. So obviously, Greg has three. He'll bid up to three, which will push her to four. All right. Now you. Delilah has two. 
she has two balloons and two butterscotch left, which after the game will be a tasty treat. But right now it's money. And uh, we're now Greg, poor Greg over here. And let me tell you, I get that a lot in my house. Poor Greg. Uh, he's got no balloons. He can't produce anything yet. But he also has no competition at this point because everyone else has bid up to make sure they get their balloons. Okay? So start the bidding at one. There you go. Very good. Two. Two. Three. Three. He'll take it at three. So what Delilah did there, this was kind of interesting, because i got to tell you, Delilah, I didn't expect this. That was strategic bidding. So the lowest card is three, and Delilah, she didn't want to see Greg make a profit, so she made him bid what his profit was, which is three. So that's kind of interesting. I didn't expect that. So, all right, we'll start the bidding again. One. What's that? You'll bid one, two. What's that? You'll bid three. There's no borrowing. We have we have no credit market here. Okay, we're doing that. It could happen. There could be credit markets someday. God willing, we'll have credit markets again. But let's just for the sake of trying to learn more about markets, let's just keep it straightforward. And the only thought, thing you got to spend is your original ten. Okay. So um, where were we? We're on three. You bid three. Four. He's got it. So this is great. Now, Muhammad is very, very happy because we know he has nine and he was able to get one for three. Okay? But what do we care about? We're the general public. We don't know these businesses. We're out in, you know, at Marine Valley Community College. We're living our life. What does it matter to us that that company make more profit or get a lower cost for pollution? It doesn't really matter to us. What we care about is that the total amount of pollution is at a level that will protect us. That's what we care about. Okay? All right, um, so let's bid again. One, two, three. You're going to let her have it so you can get the last one. Okay, so Delilah's going to use her last two to get one more. And then I guess Greg's going to take it for one. Oh, you have, a, you have more? Oh, yeah, one, I didn't know you had any more left. One, two, one. Oh, this is collusion. Right here you have some collusion in your market. We are observing a market failure. Okay? Yeah, well, through collusion. So he would have bid more, but he nod, nod, wink, wink. You go ahead and take it for one. I'll take it for one. So we're, this, is, this is amazing. I did not expect... I did not expect collusion to occur at Moraine Valley. I did not expect it. In a free market... In a free, um, an efficient market, there you would have mechanisms to prevent collusion. So people can't agree to help each other out. You pay your price based on your knowledge about your profit. Okay. So uh, we're going one, yeah, seven. seven. I'm out of balloons. Uh, that is amazing. In the first round, you guys figured out how to collude. You are a talented bunch of people here, Marine. It's usually doesn't happen in the first round. Okay. Um, oh. So you have seven? Yeah, just count seven. There should be. I think there's more than. There's plenty. Yeah, there's more than seven. He's going to count seven out. 
So that was, uh, and actually, in this collusion, Greg came out way ahead. He, he should have paid off uh, Muhammad a little bit more, and they should have come out more or less equal. But uh, they both benefited. They both came out ahead. It's just Greg really, really came out ahead. Because um, he got seven at one, so that's two butterscotch profit for each balloon. That's That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Okay, so in this little example, we've seen all the things that can go wrong with the market. I'm trained as an economist. I'm a big believer in markets. I worked as a regulator. I'm a big believer in regulation. Uh, you can't have an efficient market um, without regulation. Whether it's you can have private regulation. There are business transactions that occur among parties that belong to a uh, professional organization or an industry organization, but it's regulated. But there's also government regulation. And since air is something that we all own together, uh, a government regulator is appropriate for the carbon market. But the thing that's interesting is how quickly this market broke down. I, I thought we'd have to get to the second round to get to that point. So I'm, I'm totally, totally impressed with you four up here. Totally. Okay. Um, but you see, and this isn't even real money. You put some real money in front of people, you can imagine how powerful the incentives are for people to circumvent the market structure, okay? To do things like collude and try and get other information, inside information on uh, who else is transacting in the market. Um, but at least we know we have our cap. The regulator is still watching the cap. We could have gotten more money for the government had there not been collusion, but we still have a cap on on the amount of pollution, okay, which is the number of balloons I have in that bag. That's all I'm going to sell. So even if there's a market breakdown, because there's a cap on carbon emissions, at least we achieve that objective, okay? Um, now what I'd like to do is Mohammed, we know he has the nine, I'd like to see if uh, I'm going to give everybody ten more butterscotch, and I'd like Mohammed to start and try to see if he can buy carbon credits from the other participants. So let me get uh, the other butterscotch here. Okay, and these here, I'm the government. This is mine. This is all mine. Yeah, it's okay up there as long as they don't try to take the government's money. We don't want that to happen. All right, but does, uh, so what we're going to start in a second is you have your uh, balloons and you have 10 more butterscotch and you still have the same card. Eventually, I'm going to buy all these from you, Okay. I'm going to buy all these balloons from you at that card price, okay? Um, but right now, all the carbon pollution that can be produced is out in the market for trade, and the government issued the credit to the participants in the market. Now the market participants can trade among themselves. So they can decide, is it worth more money for me to pollute, for my company to pollute, or is it worth more money for me to sell it to somebody else, Okay? This is the part that's really the power of the market. So you have 10 more butterscotch. Ask anybody if they want to sell. 
So we got five, five for Greg, four for Delilah. Any lower? He's selling three. Selling three, you buy three? He'll buy for three. How many? One. He's selling one for three. Okay. So he's selling one for three. A little timid, but it's good. You know, this is a new game, so they're all learning a new game. They're trying out the first one. So Muhammad bought one for three dollars from Greg. Greg's card says three bucks. If I go ahead and do a bunch of work, I'll get three dollars. For selling the thing, I'll get three dollars. Why not selling it? That's that makes sense, doesn't it? So now Greg's not going to pollute. He's going to produce less and just take the carbon credit. Or sell the carbon credit, excuse me. So now Mohammed still has more butterscotch. Well, it's three. It's three or higher. So if you want to bid, you can go to, you can go four. Yep. Three. Anybody go four? Okay, so she's going, Cheryl's going for three. So he's coming out pretty good. He bought them for one. Now he's selling them for three. Okay, next one. Anybody buy for four? So she's buying. Delilah's now buying for three. So he could. So he should not. He should never take two. So that's a totally. This would be a rational response. He will not sell for two because his card says I can sell it for three. I can make three dollars a profit if I go ahead and use the carbon and pollute. So she bought for four. You wanted a what? I wanted to match what he had. Oh, so, okay, there's a little bit of strategy going on here. She, Greg was willing to sell for three, but Delilah bought from Cheryl for four because she wanted to have, he has five and she wanted five. Is that the idea? Okay, not quite sure where that's going. It cost her one butterscotch, but it could be strategic. I don't know. Okay, anyone else buying or selling? Cheryl. Okay, so now the most profit he could make as a, a, if he polluted was three, but selling tax credit he made four. So these tax credits, they go out and they have a life of their own. So all these corporations that are in business, they can trade tax credits among themselves. You could even not be in the business and buy and sell tax credit. Okay? So, but it goes to the person or the corporation, excuse me, that can make the most efficient use. So, what's it, are you willing to buy? Are you still buying? Um, yeah, I'll buy like four. Not four. You can sell Two for eight. Two for eight. Well, you can sell yours for nine. So you would never, you should never take anything less than your card, because your card at the end of the game you can always sell it to me for that amount. 
Okay, are you out of money now, Delilah? Okay, Delilah's maxed out. You're selling. Three. So he's selling it exactly the amount he could get it for. Greg's selling for three. He could get three if he sold if he went ahead and produced pollution and sold electricity to a customer. Okay. But he's deciding to go ahead and and sell it. Who's got money left? Okay. Do you want to keep your money or you're going to keep trading? Okay. Any more trading? So if you buy if you buy something for less than your card, you're making more money. Okay. If you buy anything you buy for any balloon you buy, I will buy from you for what you have on your card. So if you can buy anything for less than your balloon, you will make more more money, more butterscotch. So Delilah's out of money. Cheryl? Cheryl will go four. Yes. Delilah has a question. Here. So the government will buy my balloons for the amount that I have on my card, correct? Okay, so when I when I buy the balloons back, I should say government. Actually, I'd be the customer. So if you're a power plant, you decide to go ahead and burn the carbon dioxide, and then what you have on your card is the profit. So you know what your business's profit is, okay? But that's what you'll get for turning the balloon in. Or Come on. You're going to come up with profit. You have the nine, and you're getting uh, 20, 36 right there. I won't put you at 45. Huh? Whatever you have left. Whatever you have left. Whatever you have left. I'll say six then. A little bit of heartball going on up here. It's getting ugly. I'm going to step back a little bit. This gets resolved. Okay, so what's the final price? Six. Okay, so that would be a squeeze. If 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 they played this game over and over and over, uh, you Mohammed may not pay six dollars for every single one or six butterscotch for every one, but he would be able to always give the highest price on everyone because he has the highest profit. And what did work out? How many balloons do you have? How many do you have, Cheryl? How many do you have? Okay, so, um, and you are down to, I don't have you're down to zero, and how much butterscotch do you have? Um, All of that? Too many to count. Too many to count. So, what happened to the lowest profit uh, polluter was Greg lost all the balloons because his customers didn't really want to pay that much for his product or service. So he let everybody else go ahead and pollute more. They made more profit, which means their customers were going to pay a lot more for their good or service. So this is how the market can work to allocate uh, the balloons efficiently. The other thing we see between the two games when one was a government auction, right? So the government, if I'm, you know, finger quote, the government, I'm following rules and regulations, but, you know, if I didn't get as much money as I could have, did they worry about that? No. But when it was their money, did they worry about it? They went down to the mat making sure that they got every single butterscotch. They could, and this is just butterscotch. This isn't real money. Making sure that they could get every single last butterscotch out of every balloon that they sold and trying to pay as little as they could. And that's exactly what you do. You know, when you go shop, 
you try to get as much as you can for as little as you can. And that's how we allocate resources efficiently. So carbon works just that way. But you saw in the first case that it was kind of set up. If we didn't have things uh, regulated properly, the market could break down, and they didn't pay initially enough to the government because this collusion happened between Greg and Mohammed. Okay, in the first round. All right, so uh, what does that mean? That means that uh, these resources can be allocated efficiently if properly regulated, okay? And that what the market can do is make sure that whoever uses this resource, which is polluting the air or air quality, whoever uses it up, is the one or the company that is producing the most benefit for people in our in our in our world in our society that's that is what the market achieves okay um, all right in the last we're going to do one more thing are there any any thoughts out there any confusions any comments yeah what what did you say about collusion Yeah, oh boy, that is a great question. So the question is, if there is collusion, one, how do they determine it's taking place? Correct? That's the first question. And then the second part was, how they can enforce the law to either make sure it, make sure it doesn't happen again? Um, okay, there are a couple thoughts on that, and actually this does speak more to my expertise. Uh, at, when you're at the Fed in D.C., you work very closely with the Securities Exchange Commission, which would, is the primary regulator for markets. So when there are trading markets, the Securities Exchange Commission is, is the primary regulator. So when it comes to collusion, it can be very difficult to find. There have been cases where certain trading patterns are observed and then subsequently documented. So this happened, this is a little bit technical, I don't want to lose anybody here, but it used to be that you would quote on ACE for stock trades. So what they found was that a lot of trades were taking place on odd ACE, so 3ACE, 5ACE, 7ACE. Researchers, actually academic researchers found this, and they documented it rigorously, and then people were subsequently, uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't criminal, it wasn't a criminal prosecution, but people lost their jobs and were prohibited from being... Uh, trading ever for the rest of their lives, that kind of thing. So there was some penalty. So you can document trading patterns. That's one way. Another way is just good old, you know, shoe leather type work. Um, there was a case with ADM in the market for lysine, uh, which I think is a food for uh, for hogs, and they were fixing prices all over the world. Literally, they met in a room and somebody recorded the conversation. So that was collusion. You don't really need a lot of data and rocket science to figure that one out. You just need somebody who is willing to go into a room with a tape recorder. So that was prosecuted. So it just takes it takes oversight. You look for some patterns that don't seem to match. So you know the economics. Something's not matching with the quantities and the prices. And then you have to do further investigation. And now in, in, with respect to certain philosophies on how to prevent collusion, one is the uh, just to monitor and then subsequently punish. The other one is low monitoring, just don't watch. 
but have very, very severe, severe punishments. So, like, if, if you get caught for collusion, you lose your house, and uh, they put you on a desert island somewhere, okay? So they make it a very severe punishment. You don't have to monitor very much because nobody would collude because they'd be too afraid of the punishment, right? So those are different philosophies. In the U.S., under the Securities Exchange Commission, it's kind of in the middle, you know, so when you're watching TV and you see um, Wall Street people in the orange jumpsuit with the handcuffs and they wheel them out, that's kind of a thing to send a warning to other people that, you know, play by the rules. You know, play by the rules. So um, that's how they um, have an incentive to prevent collusion is to make the punishment somewhat severe. But... Uh, a lot of this activity isn't usually prosecuted criminally. It's handled just under regulations under civil civil law, okay, administrative law. All right? Okay, you all have done a phenomenal job. I want to do one last little thing here. And I don't think this will take too long, but you all have surprised me. So, But hopefully it won't take too long. We're going to give Mohammed all the balloons left in the bag. Okay, and there should be three more bags of butterscotch. You can absolutely keep these. Okay, don't don't bite my fingers off here. You can keep these, but for this round, you can only play with the ones you get. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Yeah, that's a. So yeah, I think there are, are there three more bags in there. Okay, give one each. Yep, one each. And these are the only uh, butterscotch you can use this round. No, no, just put that in your pocket. Keep that for later. Okay, now, you can go ahead and produce and sell those for nine, or you can sell to these other, uh, other companies. So you can try to sell those to these three people, or you can go ahead and just sell them for nine. Okay, so this did not take very long. So that's good, because we're at the end of the hour. So, uh, Mohammed got all nine, or all of the uh, balloons. I'm not quite sure how many are left. Ten of them are there? Okay, there's ten balloons left. He has the highest output, and now he's just going to hold on to them, because nobody can match that price. This would be a problem, okay? If by some weird coincidence what happened was, you know, timing or something else, we get stuck. So here we have, let's say, uh, what, what business, what polluting business do you want to be in? Any idea? Microsoft. Do they, they have many carbon emissions? Okay. Microsoft, uh, let's say electricity, concrete, and auto. We have no electricity, we have no concrete, and we have no cars. 
because the person with the highest profit happened to get all of the the balloons. All right, now there's no movement in the market. This could be a problem. This could be a big problem. So in this case, there'd have to be some type of intervention where the government would either either forego the cap and have new credits, or they'd have to give over-the-market price. They'd have to intervene to make sure. Or the other adjustment that could happen, if here we're assuming it's fixed, the other adjustment that could happen is demand grows in these areas, and then they all end up getting tens or something because it's just pent-up demand. But there would be some disruption in the transition. Okay? All right, so this is another problem. It's like a monopoly that could happen with uh, the carbon credits. Um, all right, well, that's, that's all I have planned. I don't know if there are any more questions, any more thoughts on whether... Uh, so how many of you, by show of hands, first of all, think I'm going to kill myself dripping over this cord. How many of you... How many of you think that uh, are convinced that markets can more efficiently allocate the right to pollute? How many are convinced after this? How many are found that persuasive that markets could help to more efficiently, more efficiently allocate the right to pollute? How many don't think that markets would work very efficiently? That regulation or tax by themselves would be better. Nobody, and I guess the rest are still on the fence about it. Um, all right, well, there's plenty of butterscotch. I have extra if anybody's interested. Um, I don't know if, if there are any more thoughts or comments, but I appreciate your attention, and if, you have, if there are any questions afterwards, I'm here for the duration. Thank you very much. And I want to say thanks to Greg and Delilah, Cheryl and Mohammed. They did a fantastic job. They really was quite amazing how much they figured out initially. All right, thanks, everybody. Our next event is March 25th, I believe, um, looking at sustainable communities. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this Moraine Valley Community College Library event podcast. For more information, visit www.morainevalley.edu library.